0: Point again, percentage-based raises. Like I I absolutely detest them. And I think that they naturally create a, a a class of haves and have nots because no matter what your trend is, whether your trend is that you're underpaid or whether your trend is that you're above band or overpaid, it accelerates that trend. Yes, if you will. Um, And that's the natural outcome of a percentage based system and even to the point where I've seen companies put in place in HR where if you as a manager jacked up somebody's pay higher than the like highest allowed percentage rate, it would like initiate a red flag in the system Mm -hmm. where they would like immediately descend upon that and be like, hey, what's going on here? And again, back to my point about the haves and the have-nots. I'm being a little cheeky and dramatic here, but bear with me. If you are underpaid and I ran into this quite a bit where I was like, this person is extremely talented and delivering amazing results for the company and they're at the bottom of the band. By the way, I actually do like bands.
1: Yeah, I think if they're used
0: sense. correctly, I do like bands. I can't give that person more than a 7% raise because it triggers all kinds of landmines in the in the system we've set up. So what it does is it creates two things. One is that it makes it really, really, really hard for me to get that person up to where they need to be. And B, and this is also at least as important, back to integrity and incentive, which you know everything comes back to, it makes it really, 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 really easy for me to just not give them yes. the raise that they deserve. Welcome to Building Better Games, where we dive into what matters most in game development, leaders, and culture. Your hosts are Aaron Smith and Benjamin Karsic. Aaron and Ben are two veteran game industry leaders who have served a global audience of gamers and want to change how games are made. Welcome back, everybody, to Building Better Games, and we're about to kick off part two of Management Principles. something very close to our hearts. I wanted to, before we kick things off and get into it today for the second two principles and some other discussion, kind of come full circle back to what the heck we were talking about in the first 30 minutes of the last podcast. Because um, I took a look at it and uh, I, I did not do a great job of adding context for what we were actually discussing. We're getting into swap meets and chairs and what do you owe your boss and does your boss owe you things? And you know, there, there's a lot of really interesting points there. I think the, the context for that conversation is, is a couple fold. One, like existentially speaking, how do Ben and I view management and what management means and sort of what is the nature of that relationship and what is the nature of the employee employer relationship? and sort of what's the baseline there. And then I think the second thing was drawing attention to the fact that the way Ben and I see the world is different uh, despite the fact that we have actually converged in more ways than one on the same principles. Um, I am very much kind of a results first, value first, in, in a like delivering for the company sense of things, um, followed by, or, or, or view it, like basically the hierarchy is, is different. Like Ben uses the phrase one, two or two, one, and that's very much how I view it. So like, for me, I, I think it's the value that we all come together to create that justifies our ability to build empathetic structures and build great relationships and make sure everybody's taken care of and have the win-wins and all that stuff. And, and Ben, uh, I, I dare say has a more humanistic view of things where it's like, hey, if you create enough empathy and you create good enough relationships and you create that strong humans first baseline, then the value sort of uh more organically can emerge from from that structure. And so that's kind of what we were talking about in and debating a little bit. Um and again, I think one of the things we really wanted to convey to to those of you who are listening is that in a, in a sense, it doesn't actually really matter where we started that much because we both ended up in the same place. Yeah. So today, we actually spent some time before we jumped on here, talking about some of our good and bad experiences with our managers in the past. Mm. And Ben had asked me the question, tell me about some of the best management experiences you had. and And I realized that I was at a loss. And I think there are some key reasons why, but I, I actually wanna open this up now uh, to talk a little bit about what our experience as being the direct reports has been and being the managers has been, and and sort of what are the things that we experienced that were hard? What was the good, the bad, the ugly? And how did that sort of shape us as managers as we eventually donned that mantle, if you will?
1: Oh man, there's so much there. Um, I, I think I had more Experiences than you did that I would consider just like wow that was just a really positive relationship. I mean, you know, some of the people I've talked about that just I think knocked it out of the park and who I saw I would, manage. I would
0: say your negative experiences are more negative in su- in many respects than the ones I had though. I had I had a couple nuclear bomb negative ones, but you had more consistently bad ones uh, maybe certain certain chunks than I did.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and and I mean that's gonna. <laughs> As we so last time we talked about two pillars, growth and integrity, and integrity yeah. really being the idea of consistency, fairness, and we talked about. It's it very interesting. Much-
0: A lot of the issues we are seeing that we call out with management seem to come back to that idea of integrity. Yeah, and again, uh, I maybe our four principles will evolve into five principles, or the f- some of the four will change, but like the integrity one is actually, I think. Uh, actually advocacy, which we're gonna talk about today is highly resonant, but integrity feels very resonant. And again, remember when we talk about integrity, we're talking about basically a consistent framework. Yes. Um, I hate the word fair because it's a word that immediately, uh, especially in American culture, we have this knee-jerk reaction to like, life isn't fair, that's what my granddaddy taught me. Right. And, and, you know, forget about that for a second. What we're actually talking about is that when everyone shows up to play the game, we all understand what the rules are. I think that's more what we mean when we say. And we were talking talking
1: about it last time. We talked about it a lot from the perspective of a a manager who has a set of direct reports and just creating that consistency in the system, you know, like not not having favorites and still being able to apply judgment, but recognizing Mm -hmm. that like, you should be able to explain the decisions you make if someone gets a raise or a promotion or not, or this or that or the other. And what we were talking about a little bit earlier was the system can also break that fairness down. Um, Like we talked about, the, neither of us are a fan of percentage-based raises. And the fundamental reason I would say I'm not is you need to pay people what you believe that they're worth to pay based on their past performance and your projection of what their future performance is. And if you've got some system that somebody came up with that's trying to be fair, that's trying to be objective, but that actually might take somebody who has a very accelerated growth curve for whatever reason, their potential or the opportunities they've been experienced or uh, the mentors that they've had, whatever it is, right? They've done much better than expected. If you have some arbitrary, like, well, we can't give them more than 6% every six months or something. I I would, by the way, I would love,
0: maybe you've had this conversation. I've never had this conversation. I would love to talk to somebody who's like a fan of that. Yeah. And have them explain what the value add is there because I, I, it, evades me utterly. Like, I remember always thinking that that sounded really stupid. And the more <laughs> senior I got in management, the more frustrated I felt. Because so to Ben's point, again, percentage-based raises, like I I absolutely detest them. And I think that they naturally create a a, a class of haves and have-nots. Because no matter what your trend is, whether your trend is that you're underpaid or whether your trend is that you're above band or overpaid, it accelerates that trend. Yes, if you will. Um and, and I d- that's the natural outcome of a percentage-based system. And even to the point where I've seen companies put in place in HR where if you as a manager jacked up somebody's pay higher than the like highest allowed percentage rate, it would like initiate a red flag in the system Mm -hmm. where they would like immediately descend upon that and be like, hey, what's going on here? And again, back to my point about the haves and the have nots, I'm being a little cheeky and dramatic here, but bear with me. If you are underpaid, and I ran into this quite a bit where I was like, this person is extremely talented and delivering amazing results for the company. And they're at the bottom of the band. By the way, I actually do like bands.
1: Yeah, I think they're used
0: correctly. I do like bands. I can't give that person more than a 7% raise because it triggers all kinds of landmines in the in the system we've set up. So what it does is it creates two things. One is that it makes it really 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 hard for me to get that person up to where they need to be. And B, and this is also at least as important, back to integrity, and incentive, which you know, everything comes back to, it makes it really, 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 really easy for me to just not give them yes. the raise that they deserve. Yes. Because I'm literally being told a band of numbers I can mess with, and there is a space in between there, a nice, nice, squishy, safe space for me as a manager where I will not rock the boat. Yes. And what that and that so I'm incentivized to do the thing that's wrong for this person because I've been held accountable for percentages. And And similarly, if you make 350 grand a year, you make 400 grand a year, 3% raise, not too shabby. Yeah, 10K,
1: 12K, yeah. Yeah. One of the things that came out of the stories we were telling about are the best moments of our being managed. They came back to advocacy. Yeah. They came back to people who in those scenarios were willing to push back against the company and say, I don't care what the band is, I don't care what the percentages is, are, or whatever, I, like, this person's underpaid. It is clear. I have done the work to make a case for that. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to do that. And many don't. And so I look at those experiences and you look at those experiences and we look at those people, regardless of how we viewed them as people or whether they were friends or not or whatever, there was this thing where they they had a stance that was, you have done the work, you have proven capability and I believe you have high potential. I don't want to lose you. I'm going to go outside of the standard guidelines and rules and I'm going to trip all the red flags I need to to make this right and you want that in your manager. And
0: by the way, what I love about what you just said there and what it strongly implies, um, and again, I think that this is actually rooted in the function and the principle of integrity, because to have integrity, integrity is integrity of a system. Mm Right? Like we as individuals can have integrity, a, a system can have integrity. But like when we when we say we have integrity, it means that we are are loyal to and abide by a system of principles that we believe in. Yes. Right. And we're consistently doing that. Yes. We're consistently actually behaving in a way that is uh honoring those principles. Yes. And and the, the same thing about a system. So what, the example you gave about the manager advocating, because we're going to talk more about advocacy in a moment because it's really important. But I think we we must create, I think in the minds of everyone who's listening to this and everyone who wants to be a great manager, the connection between crisp frameworks that you create for how you assess your employees and yourself and your ability to advocate. Because if you don't have a framework, you can't make an argument. And this this is actually something I talk to managers about a lot. Like if you're looking for the sort of – if you're looking out into the ether for public opinion to determine whether your people are doing well or not, you're not going to be able to actually create accountability or – an effective advocate for the people that you that work for you right so this is super important because it's not that what i like about ben's story there and what i and what about my positive stories it's not that my manager went out and got me more it's that my manager felt conviction they had a strong argument they felt conviction towards a set of principles and a set of rules and that, and and then I actually, interestingly enough, as I think about it, those managers that were fierce advocates for me in some cases advocated against other people getting pay raises that they shouldn't have gotten, and I can think of several examples now. It's like, hey, we all know the rules to Monopoly, right? We've all played that board game. You can't just take $500 out of the bank whenever you want to. There's a set of rules and principles that determine when you get paid or what you owe, et cetera, and you know what you're getting into in that system. And so it's helpful to us as we commune in that system to understand what the rules are and that expectations are clearly set uh, about those rules. And so if you play the game properly and somebody owes you money, then it's easy to advocate. It's easy to make that argument. And that's the place we want our managers to be, right? Yes. And that's the place we wish as reports, we wish our managers would be. Um, it's just, again, I've I've seen that it is the case that more often it's not like noodly spined, spineless managers as much as it is that they just don't have a framework to go off of. So they they can't have integrity because they don't know what framework they're honoring. And, and so as a result,
1: go, they follow all the rules, they go for the squishy safe spot.
0: Exactly. They just do the thing that Everybody's wins doing. them as much public opinion points on that day as they can. And that's a really bad place to be. And by the way, also when you have a framework, especially if everyone at the company ideally is following that framework about what performance looks like and, you know, what good and bad looks like and where people are on bands and things like that, that also removes or that dampens the runaway effects that public opinion can have on who gets promoted and not because if you lack those frameworks for long enough what ends up happening is that again we've talked about this your organization becomes a high school popularity contest and that actually i think leads to a lot of really damaging cultural things down the road where it's like for example all the women wake up one day and they're like hey we're paid on average 15 to 20 percent less than the men for doing the exact same work and it's because you know, maybe unconscious bias or whatever led to this group of people just creating these systems that they didn't even know they were creating. So they created a low integrity system because they never actually set down the principles they wanted to follow and honor in the first place. And again, there's many other examples like that. That's just one poignant one or not poignant one. That's one pointed one, pardon me, that is happening right now a lot in our industry, right? So yeah it, that I, I just wanted to point out that like integrity is a is a core one. I think you have to have integrity first before you can have accountability or before you can have advocacy, real yeah. advocacy
1: yeah and and the those experiences, those positive experiences, when you did have that advocate as well, I also want to say that like that put a good face on the company when you were there and you realized that there was somebody who was going to go to the company and bat for you. When I had that, they were some of my most positive experiences, even when things were tough. Mm-hmm. And when I didn't have that, even if things were great, it's not as good because I don't know, does someone have my back? And I look to a manager to have my back. And as a manager, I look to have my direct reports back. And it's interesting, too, and, and you know, maybe we should actually dive into accountability and advocacy and I wonder if actually starting with advocacy makes sense based on where we're coming out of here, because mm-hmm. there's a lot in there. Uh, to me, deep, again,
0: yeah. I, I, I tend to think of accountability more as a process. Um, actually, the way we teach it and the way we define it when we're out working with game studios and leaders. And, and so, um, and, and I think also advocacy is such a broad, deep, cultural thing um, I uh, like my thinking might be to actually leave more space for it. At yeah, the so end. Let's,
1: let's dive into accountability then. So um. we've
0: all, we have a podcast on accountability. So without going too much into detail about what the framework is for it, um, I think it's just important to note that it's a really important part of management and a manager's capability. Like you need to be able to create accountability Um, And I think that the feedback loops you create when you create clear accountability with your employees or the people that report to you is actually um, very foundational in the same way that your framework or your integrity is foundational to what you advocate for and what you don't advocate for. I I feel like your employee performance should be like you should be pulling your real time perception of employee performance out of the other end of that accountability process. Yes. It's like, hey. I set expectations, Jenny went out and she killed it, she nailed this project, we set three goals for it, she nailed all three of them objectively based on the measurements we agreed on, boom. You know what I mean? And that was one of the three pillars of her framework that we set up for her to get a promotion. She's about to hit number three and then she gets promoted next cycle. It's overly idealistic. It's obviously more complicated than that in reality, but you want to get as close to that as you can. And I think accountability is a key part of that. I
1: want to touch on that actually, because I think for some people it's not obviously more complicated. And those are some of the things we talked about last time as well. Mm. It it doesn't actually boil down to a set of checkboxes, even when you do all the work, it's always what's going on at the company. Like maybe nobody gets a raise because the company's running out of money. Um, and we can't afford to give anybody a raise. In fact, everybody's getting pay cuts because we're going to run out before we finish our product. And if that happens, we all lose, right? Mm-hmm. There are limitations that are outside of the relationship. But I think the idea that you're expressing that like well, the we co- that together- changes
0: That changes the context of what a reward might look like, but it shouldn't, change the context. It shouldn't change the fact that that person gets rewarded for meeting those goals. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like it may be like, Hey, here's a nice shiny blue ribbon that we put on your shoulder. And, uh, here's, uh, a, a title upgrade with no pay because we're broke as a company. I mean, if that's where you're at as a company, that's fine, but there still needs to be some positive feedback loop for having achieved your goals, you know,
1: and I think the other piece of complexity is even if someone's hitting all their goals, sometimes there's other issues that are going on and how they're relating to work or other people that could make you second guess. But the, that, that I ideal of like, we come together, you know, I think the just to run through the accountability model real quick. And again, you can go check out the podcast set expectations. Both people bring like, Hey, what is it I expect of you as the manager direct report? What are you expecting of yourself? Let's negotiate that. Let's commit to something, um, and that's an ongoing process. Because again, the real world keeps mm-hmm. changing. And then, um, Hold, yep. basically, consequence, reward, punishment. Um, there's an out. There, there's holding accountability, and mm-hmm. and I don't mean consequence in a negative sense, as it's so often perceived. It's maybe you did really well, and to Aaron's point, you should get rewarded for that. And like that's accountability. The a piece of that that I want to touch on is how that nests inside of an organization. You know, that, that like everybody has a manager and then up to the CEO and then they're accountable to the board. Um, and the board's accountable to the shareholders. And so no one's without a boss of some kind. Mm-hmm. And to recognize that there is a chain of accountability going from a CEO, let's say, who's attempting to make the company as successful as possible that cascades from that person throughout everything else in the organization. Each time there should be a setting of expectations in some way. And they're not all going to look the same, but a setting of expectations and negotiating a committing and then a holding accountability at some regular interval to review, how are we doing? What's gone well? What hasn't? All of this requires a lot of judgment. You know, that there's a, we do live in a, uncertain world everything is changing all the time and that's okay it does mean that sometimes something we negotiated and committed to is no longer relevant and so when i think about accountability in the context of management it's for you as the direct report do you know what your manager expects of you we've talked about that in another podcast as well and then if you're the manager have you sat down and said this is what i expect of you
0: yeah i mean i don't i don't think any framework or process we advocate for should be seen as a substitute for judgment in yes, fact, exactly. we often communicate these frameworks or processes as a way to um, accelerate or catalyze judgment, the application of judgment, right? So in other words, you're smart, uh, and if you're in this industry, you're working a uh, skilled worker tech leadership job, you you know how to do this, um, you know how to use, you ap- apply your critical thinking to this. This, to me, accountability, is about a, set, a, a practical framework to assess results, so that you can again manage to have a high integrity system. Mm-hmm. Because you want to not end up in a situation where you're in front of a whiteboard reviewing with you with three other managers that are at your level, where you're reviewing all of the reports that you all collectively have, and you walk in and you either think somebody has been doing great, but you don't have any hard evidence to back it up or somebody else says that one of your people's doing terrible and you don't have any hard evidence to back up that that's not the case. Yeah. Um, so interestingly enough, again, there's how do you run a high integrity system so that when people do well, they get rewarded. That's what you want. You want people, you want that to be clear and understood that when people do well, they get rewarded. When people add value they get rewarded so that's what a high integrity system looks like in order to have that have evidence for the arguments that you create there you need accountability and then in order to have in order to effectively advocate which again we're going to talk more about in a second you need to have that evidence Mm -hmm. so otherwise you're just well you need to either have that evidence or you need to have a lot of influence and again there's a lot of danger in high influence leaders with no evidence advocating because then what ends up happening is that person just uses pure charisma to get stuff for their employees. And that has its own yeah. issues. Right. It very, so. It's very
1: much more vulnerable to bias yeah. and those sorts of things. It, it reminds me of a Dilbert. Um, I, the only person Dilbert, I only know Dilbert and Dogbert. What's the woman's name in Dilbert? The one with like the, the triangle She's there? a manager, right? No, no, and no. She's no, got no. the glasses. No, the, the, she's, she's the engineer. Oh man. Anyway. So there's a, there's a woman in Dilbert. She's an engineer, a very high performing engineer. She's the one who has like the fist of doom that will start shaking when she gets really enraged when she sees stupid um, like management leadership stuff going on. Uh, and then usually someone flies out a window or whatever. But I remember um, there was one where it was performance review time and she walks in and the pointy haired boss is in there. And um, he says, well, Congratulations, here's your two percent raise or whatever. Uh, you met expectations this last six months or a year or whatever. She's like, I met expectations and then she starts listing all these things that she's done. And she's like, I did this, I did this, I did it. And at one point the boss says something like, you did that. Wow, I mean, we expected that. And <laughs> And there's like this there's this weird, corrupted game going on, you know, and you talked about us driving towards the center point accountability wasn't like expectations no. weren't set accountability no. wasn't clear no uh it seems like even the boss while he had to you know serve his evil cat overlord or something whatever it was in in, in Dilbert he knew she was overperforming but because nothing had ever been written down it didn't matter and obviously well, we don't want to be that And again that at that
0: the 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 joke there is in that moment he was going to lose face if he yes. acknowledged that she had done way more than he expected, right? Because he had already said that she met expectations. It would be funny if it weren't so criminal and it would be funny if it weren't so true to what actually happens. Yeah. And And this is why, again, the accountability model helps you proverbially or really write this stuff down so that if you commit to three goals and the person nails five, well, guess what? They just exceeded expectations, at least in terms of raw output, Yeah. right? So it's it's not that hard and you're doing yourself a favor so that you don't end up in that awkward position as a manager and you're doing your employees certainly a massive favor in actually allowing them to A, understand what they're supposed to be doing and what they're on the hook for and B, rewarding them again if they do a good job. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people do a really good job and then be killed in the court of public opinion due to some just completely off perception that got out of hand or whatever. And the manager had no argument, Right. the manager had no accountability in place because they didn't know how to do that. And as a result, the employee suffers, Yeah. right? The employee suffers. And 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 honestly, I would say even if the manager takes it on the chin, the employee still suffers. Because then the manager loses clout and then their ability to advocate goes down and then the employee, yeah. So it's like, no matter what goes wrong here, the employee loses. And that's a shame, right? And again, we've all been on the receiving end of this, so.
1: You know, we we talked about this when we talked about accountability. If there's not accountability inside of the system and you're the direct report, set it up. Yeah. I would say it is the manager's responsibility first to be aware of those things, talking about those things and informing their direct report about them. Because one of the things you are as a manager is a mentor. Uh, And this is something that is important that does help someone get promoted or get a raise or whatever it is. And if you are constantly waiting for them and not teaching them that this is something that's important for them to do and not engaging with them around what you're expecting and all these things, you are setting them up to fail. And one of your core jobs isn't to, you're not responsible for their success. They are, you are responsible for making that path as clear and as smooth as it can be. You're on the journey with them. You're going with them as they grow and learn. And again, ideally do succeed. Don't take accountability for their success. Do take responsibility for your part in knowing how they're doing. And that's where, that's, you know, when I think about accountability, that's why you do that because you do want to be able to walk into that room and say, this is why I'm not promoting this person that everybody thinks is great. This is why I am promoting this person that everybody doesn't know about. And all those, everything in between, um, you know, sometimes it's easy. You and I both talked about that. Sometimes you just walk in and you're like, yep, I'm promoting or giving this person a raise and everybody's like, makes total sense. No issue. Other times you have to fight. And if you haven't been doing your job as a manager, you may have no ammunition in that room. Yeah, um, and it,
0: it's worth noting that on the subject of accountability too, um, you know, naturally when Ben and I talk about this, um, the reactionary feedback we can get at times um, or, or the legitimate concerns too, can be around this idea of, well, you know, that's great for raw output that's great for like hey this person nailed this project or they did this task or but what about like the cultural things what about the behavioral things um i actually think that those go in that framework as yes. well and they they go they go in the accountability frameworks that you build the plans you build with each individual direct report um
1: it's not just about did you do it it's if exactly. you do it in a way that lives yeah. up to who you're How you, you want did it actually
0: matters. And and when I say how you did did it, I don't mean I'm gonna micromanage you on the specific techniques you employed. I'm very results oriented as a manager. So like if you figure it out, as long as you figure it out in a a way that's consistent with our ethical framework, yes, which I will make clear to you if you don't know, um, you're good. Um, however, like there's a practical example, which is like, if I have to handhold you the way I am as a manager is I, I need a certain amount of ingeniousness, a certain amount of critical thinking applied, a certain amount of, um, boldness and leadership that you can tank a level of uncertainty and not need to constantly uh, pull me in all the time at the same time. And here's where it gets complicated at the same time. If you experience a nuclear meltdown scenario and I don't find out about it to the last minute, like you don't call in your air support because you have too much pride, that's also going to get you docked. And I make the, I set those expectations very clearly, and that's a hard lo- line to ride, right? Because like if you're a senior manager or you're a senior leader and you and you can't and you have to constantly pull me in for every micro problem that you that you need to solve on your teams. Um, that to me tells me that there's a, a self-sufficiency that's lacking there or some kind of knowledge or skill set that that you don't have. Um, conversely, if you don't know when to call in air support um, because you want to save face or whatever, like you're actually potentially putting the company at great risk because you don't want to bring other people into your problem space. And so there's a balance there that that the both of those things are cultural things and I set expectations around both. So both of those things I would I would say are kind of in the how, not just in what you got done, but how did you go about it and what behaviors did you employ as you were doing it. Um so that you're you are a paragon of the leadership profile that we want to see. Yeah. Right. And and again it's not I'm not saying that like you can only ask me five questions a month or whatever. Like I sort of understand that the, I have some very high performance direct reports that pulled me in constantly into their stuff. And I had to weigh that against how what their performance was. Um, in some cases, they're extremely high performers. They just needed a lot of social touch points to get the energy and, and juices flowing. I can be like this, actually. Um, sometimes making my manager's question, like, you know, I talk to this guy a lot how much is he worth really? And they're like, okay, well, he gets a lot done, so it's worth it. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, so it's, again, you, you have to think about all this stuff and you have to build that into your accountability framework as well.
1: That comes down to the specificity of being a manager as well. And the accountability conversation is crucial there because part of the integrity, the consistency, the fairness, the reliability of the system to reward people who do a great job um, is, Not to say that there's only one type of person who can succeed here. It is to say that we do have expectations around, like you said, what we view as our values as a company or our ethics as a company. Mm -hmm. And there should be times where when someone gets the job done, but does it in such a way like you found out later, hey, you forced your team to work weekends without telling anyone four weeks in a row. And every night you spent half an hour yelling at them. Mm-hmm. About or how you were or failing. you got in
0: you got in an argument with our tools team, um, and uh, you were very unproductive in that argument because they wouldn't do it the way you thought it should be done. So you uh, split off half of your engineering team and had them rebuild that tool so that you could just work around the tools right. team. Yeah, and so you may have solved the problem, quote unquote, on paper, but effectively you now created a a, a rift between us and an integral partner team. And yes. burned a bunch of bridges and all this other stuff. Exactly.
1: Right? And so the, like these are the things, you know, it's not, it's not to say you have to be X type of leader or Y type of leader. It is to say there's values and there's ethics that we need to follow. And all of those are context specific, mm-hmm. just like every individual you manage will be context specific. They are a unique person with unique skill sets. If an associate comes to me and is like, my stand-up is struggling, I'm like Cool. I can probably help you with some of that or whatever. Right. Um, talk to me about what's going on. And maybe I coach, maybe I mentor, whatever. If a senior comes to me and says, my standup is struggling. I'm not going to be like, that's impossible. You're a senior. I'm going to be like, that's, it must be something really bad. What's going on. And if they come back and they're like, yeah, I, I'm not sure whether I should do like this technique that I read in this book or this technique. I'm like, oh, well, we have a problem here. Right, you, you're yeah. bringing me in for something that is incredibly tactical. Yeah. You know, um, I, I, if I get brought in by somebody who's senior to help with their standup, I assume it's because some other person that is senior to them is disrupting that meeting in such a way, and they're calling in their air support. Not like, I don't know, like I, I, I don't know how long it should be or something like that. And yeah, I'm fine having that conversation, but it, it, again, all of its context, and so everybody's in a different place. So yeah, do you want to there's, move?
0: Oh. Well, actually, I want to say one more thing, because what I think we just covered in quite a bit of depth was this idea of what accountability means in terms of high integrity systems for managing mm-hmm. and also what it will mean as we go into uh, advocacy and how it can be used to form arguments to go to advocacy. Um, but there's another thing, too, I think that's really important to note, which is, is the impact of that accountability and closing specifically closing the loop on Mm -hmm. accountability has on your team as a, as a a group organism, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Um, and a practical example of this is, um, I've found interestingly enough that one of the most motivating things that can happen on a team is the knowledge and understanding that everyone on the team has that really great behavior coupled with really great results leads to material reward. And so if you've created a system, a high integrity system where people understand the rules and when they follow the rules and take accountability and get results, they get rewarded in a very like obvious way. Like I I can't imagine anything that's going to go to the bottom line of your team's performance more than that. I really believe that. Mm -hmm. And I would say the higher performance your team already is, the more true that is. Like if you have a team of extremely high performers, they almost feed off that, they almost need that. And one of your jobs as a manager is gonna make sure that they don't leak morale or lose morale because you have failed in your ability to set up a structure where they are rewarded for their results. and. Um, I've actually seen, sadly, many examples of high performing teams where their manager just could not get them rewarded for their great results. And it's very demoralizing for high performers. Um, it's it's very demoralizing. Another one actually is, and again, this can be an effect of not having a high integrity system on the other side, which is that negative consequences don't come to a low performer. like. Like the nice guy manager who's just really yeah. trying hard and giving eighty percent of their effort to that person who's just really struggling, like I, I honestly I've seen I've seen some of the most good-hearted people turn bitter in ways that would shock you, watching their manager not have enough time for them as a high performer because the manager's time is all going to trying to pull the lowest common denominator up. And I know I'm using harsh language right now, and I do believe by the way that transformations and miracles when it comes to this stuff are more than possible. I I believe that there's a high performer in every single person. I don't, I I really believe that somewhere. It's not always worth the cost for the organization, but it's somewhere. What I'm trying to say is you have to close the loop on accountability. Once you set accountability, you have to close the loop on it in a way that is meaningful to show people that there are meaningful consequences because one of the One of the quickest ways I've seen managers annihilate high performance is to send the message to their team that there are no meaningful consequences for low or high performance. Yeah. What you do when you create a system where that's true, you have effectively incentivized everyone to become the lowest common denominator or just float along.
1: I was talking to someone in the military and I also had this experience in the military. It didn't matter. It didn't matter whether you did the best, or you didn't do that well. Y'all got paid the same. You had to do so badly to get actually in trouble that it was basically like everybody learned that, well, I could put a ton of time into trying to be the best I could be and receive literally nothing for it, uh, unless if I derive some meaning from it. And some people did, or I can just kind of do enough and I'm not gonna get fired and I'm gonna keep getting a paycheck and I can retire in 20 years. Mm-hmm. And the people that actually wanted to strive for meaning and really add value, not all of them, but a lot of them I saw leave right at the time, right? Like as soon as they were done, they're like, I'm out of here. I want, because they want to make a difference. They want to grow and expand. And when you look at that system and you realize like, all I have to do is not be the worst, I don't have to strive for anything. You know, people might think like, "Oh, that's great." No, it's not. It's demoralizing if you're a high performer, or if you want to be a high performer, if you want to grow, if you care about doing more and adding value into the world. Like, you don't want to get stuck. And you know, by the way, what I love about
0: what I love about the example you just gave too is there. If you can create that structure where the reward, the cream of the reward, is for those folks that are just drawn to that high performance. I guarantee eventually you'll have some of those coasters sit down with you and just be like, hey, Aaron, I've been thinking, yeah, what's up? How do I get what he has? Mm -hmm. That has happened to me several times where the thing that broke that apathy, if you will, for one of my direct reports was just seeing how lavishly the people that were absolutely crushing it were getting rewarded or they're crushing it and and i i really believe that that's just incredibly positive influence in your system
1: yeah yeah the you reminded me of something because we talked about accountability and as it relates to integrity we talked about accountability and we're about to go into advocacy mm-hmm. i also want to talk about accountability and growth mm-hmm. just real quick expectations we said set expectations negotiate commit and hold Your expectations and the individual's expectations for themselves, your direct reports expectations, should be stretching them in some way. If it's not, if you're just asking the same person to do the same job over and over and over Mm. and over again, you are actually losing the opportunity for them to become more than they are in all but the smallest ways. You, You want your direct reports to replace you. You want them to exceed what you do you want them to be better than you are they aren't going to do that if you leave them in a box on a team and you just set here's your expectations they're the same boring expectations i know you can hit everybody will be happy when you hit them and we'll leave it at that you want them growing stretch them so set those expectations and tell them to figure out which ways they want to grow Tell, tell, have them tell you that, so that those are the expectations that they end up negotiating and committing to with you. And then when you're holding them, it can be like, "How did you do? How did you do better than you would have done a year ago? How did you do much better than you would have done three years ago?" Accountability is a is a key piece in that. And if you don't value it, um, and if you just are like, "We'll just leave it boring," then your people aren't going to grow. They're going to stagnate. Um, And you lose for it Mm -hmm. Um, because I, I, you know, to the point that you said, everybody, there's a high performer in all of us. I think there's also, there are times in life when, Hey, all I can do right now is just make it by. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's going to happen to somebody who's a direct report of you. And I think that's okay, actually. However, over the long time period, over a long enough period of time, they should be getting better and better and better. And you should be able to give them more and more responsibility. Yeah. And if they that's not happening, something's wrong, and you need to poke into that as the manager.
0: Yeah, I agree, and I think that that actually high performers require that too, to to um, yes. to experience the most joy and and reward from just working.
1: I, I will I'll tell a personal story about this because I'll be honest, like for a lot of my adult life, I just I hate being responsible for anything, and I hate it's so ironic. Uh, I hate being responsible for anything. I hate. I hated it when, like, someone would have an expectation for me. I was always like, you just got to lower expectations to the point where you can always meet them, and then everybody will be happy. And that, like, (laughs) this isn't a good philosophy for life, by the way. Um, But it was one that I I took very much, and I was often scared when someone set high expectations for me, when someone realized I could do more and better and tried to challenge me and call that forth from me. Mm -hmm. But... Those are some of the most powerful transformative moments of my professional life or when someone was like nope, you're not doing it right now, but I believe you can. And I I don't know how you're going to do it, but that is something I believe you can do. This problem is something you can solve. This opportunity is something you can unlock. So go do it. And man, it it changed it. like I, I you know, it changed my world of work. It changed how I related to work. It was no longer the military in me of like just meet the low expectations and skate by you can do a good job but don't you don't have to do anything else to you can be so much more of a positive force for change and good in the world than you are right now and i i believe that in you and i'm going to call that out of you Mm -hmm. um so be willing to call that out of people because even if it makes them uncomfortable you know they talk about the comfort zone you've got to go outside of it if you're going to grow
0: It's worth noting too, that I tend to like, I've spent a lot of time in my career, um, particularly since I've become a manager and understanding what high performance looks like and what personality types are inclined towards high performance in the way that I view it. And I tend to gravitate towards those people, um, because they make my job so much easier. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I actually have a lot of sympathy for managers that find themselves sort of like in a pure headcount kind of situation where like they don't have a lot of control over who those people are or how good they are or 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 the culture or wake like any number of things that can lead to just like, I'm just trying to keep the, the ceiling from collapsing. Um, that's a really bad place to be and it does kind of put you in a situation where you may not be able to pursue a lot of these loftier concepts we're putting forth you might find yourself focusing more on just babysitting, uh, to to use a harsh term, um, and that's not a good place to be because, um, again, honestly, like that's a self perpetuating cycle as we're talking about. That's just going to lead to more lowest common denominator behavior. Yeah. Um, I, this is a. Um, I, I'm a strong believer that like there needs to be reward, and um there needs to be material negative consequence for underperformance as well um like a place that it's impossible to get fired to me is like it is a place that is lacking in a highly effective tool i think to not just add value for the company but also to bring out the best in people like i i'll I'll make a bold statement but i i really believe it's the it's the case being fired is probably one of the most terrifying and earth shattering things that can happen to a person, but it's also probably one of the things that's most likely to bring about a positive change in mentality and life change. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people might disagree with me on that, but like for if there's a chance that somebody turns a major corner in their self-improvement, but they're not able to do it right now, getting fired might actually be just that kind of a thing. That could lead to that, and I've seen it happen time and time again, where people had major wake up calls. There, Um, I I I don't. The reality in Western culture is that for most of us, getting fired is not the end of the world. We're kind of trained to believe it is, but uh, it's worth noting that um, it's scary to put in place meaningful consequences. But I think it's actually a really important thing to to do and advocate for as a manager. So speaking of advocacy,
1: yeah, let's talk advocacy um our
0: final principle
1: yeah so yeah growth integrity accountability and now advocacy and we've touched on this already a bunch of times this though i think is one of the least understood Mm -hmm. of the four we've talked about like everybody kind of like oh growth yeah i got it okay i need a consistent fair like a system that has integrity i understand that oh accountability yeah we talk about that all the time advocacy um For me, advocacy is your responsibility as a manager to represent the company to the employer and the employer to the company in a true and effective way that benefits both parties maximally. Mm -hmm. And it is dependent on you having integrity in your systems. It is dependent on growth being part of the equation and all those things. But it gets, this is like one of the squishiest things because this goes into organizational politics. This Mm -hmm. goes into something that is very true about most of the people that are managers. You have, you will tend to have more organizational insight and influence than the person you are managing. Yes. The advocacy is the responsibility to use that well and for your direct reports benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean that, again, in a complete way, not just like, I just try to get all my people as much money as they can so that I look good. Yeah. No, like the the actual what's good for the company and good for the individual.
0: Yeah. And again, that can take a lot of bizarre forms, right? you said something interesting you said you're likely to have more influence than your employee i've actually seen quite a few situations where that was not the case sometimes it's not the case and that that creates bizarre scenarios right uh the example I, i i am thinking of off the top of my head is the employee is extremely well liked, very social, maybe they like throw parties and everyone loves going to their parties or maybe they're just like really fun and charismatic but they're not delivering results or they're not living up to the leadership expectations of the organization um and the manager actually has difficulty either confronting that, acknowledging that or very very much less Advocating for consequences to that because it's the manager is, in this case, incentivized to just reward the person or leave them be if everyone likes them. Right. right? It would take a particularly principled and bold manager to basically be like, Yeah, I get that their parties are awesome, I go to them too. But here's the thing we set these goals and they haven't met any of these goals. Like they're not actually getting the work done or they're not actually performing or whatever. And that's a difficult place to be. That could feel like a landmine, right? Like you could feel like you're um, you know, raining on everyone's proverbial parade. And that actually goes back to why you need a high integrity system with accountability so that you can come in and say, hey, look, I have this stuff on paper. These are the things that this person agreed that they were going to do at the beginning of the quarter and they haven't done any of them.
1: You know? Right, and these were not unreasonable expectations for someone in their role and scope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah,
0: and so, but the 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 more common form that advocacy takes, and I would dare say, from everyone I've talked to, probably most of our all of our collectively like most memorably good experiences with a manager probably were when somebody really stuck their neck out and advocated for us, um, because I think what I o- much more often see is somebody who feels like they really nailed it and they just. There's they don't get rewarded for that or they don't feel seen for that or recognized for that. Um, I think it's unfortunately one of the most consistent damaging things that happens between managers and reports.
1: Yeah, and I, I mean, we were talking just before this and I was describing, you know, I, I was hired to a company. They started me at a very low salary. They promised like, don't worry if you do great. If you do well, we'll fix the salary. But like, you know, you're just unproven right now. And I got to my first raise and it was um, smaller than I expected by a meaningful amount. And I had taken quite a pay cut to work there. And that breaking of trust to some extent with the organization, like, hey, you told me a thing. Um, and, then, and then also recognizing when I kind of pointed that out, that the person who was my manager at the time wasn't going to do anything about it. They were like, nope, I think this is fine. And for me, it was, wait a minute, it almost felt like false pretenses. Aren't isn't your I've you I was told that if I do a good job, I would be rewarded for that. And you're my advocate. And I've been asking this whole year, how am I doing? And everybody keeps saying, You're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. Yeah, we're happy. We're you're doing a good job. And then this very what felt like a very token you know cost of living increase type thing um was my raise and i was just like wait where's my advocate and it's it was scary because i felt like i didn't have one it was like wait aren't isn't that you and and you know there's people that would even that even did at the time say like well you need to be your own advocate there's truth to that yes Recognize, though, that if someone's new or in a junior role or even a mid role, they don't often have massive organizational influence. And for them, and actually, I, I saw, I think there was like a study or something. Um, uh, some It was on LinkedIn, so who knows. But um, it was something like people in interviews that negotiated for a higher salary were considered prideful or blah, 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 blah. It's like, if, if this is how we view people, who advocate for themselves who stand up and say wait a minute i think i'm worth more than this no one's going to want to do that no one's going to want their manager to be like yeah i don't know about that person they seem really interested in the money it's like well do you understand their situation do do they are they being paid well like is it fair What you know all these things they're very close to whether they're right or wrong they're very close to as the individual being paid whether it's underpaid overpaid whatever they're very close to it and i've encountered situations where people that were i would argue probably actually bordering on overpaid wanted even more you have to have that conversation you have to advocate for the company in that case to the individual hey you're not this is as much as we're willing to pay you based on the value you provide um i can't give you a raise and simultaneously when it's the other way, when they're underpaid, you want that person to be the advocate to the company from the employee.
0: One of the things that's interesting too is like, and I've found myself falling into this trap as well. And even as you and I are talking about it, it sticks out to me. There's an, a, there's a, an association between sort of pay and promotion directly with the idea of advocacy. And um, mm. one of the things I think managers a traps managers fall into is that they start, they think that the container for their advocacy and where they're supposed to be advocating is around the discussions for those two things. But to be honest, another way that a manager can advocate that's probably actually more powerful is like, hey, did you all hear that Steven really nailed this project? I've got Steven on this, this high priority thing that came up that everybody's worried about. Well, Steven brought to me a plan on how to solve it. And I was like, well, guess what, Steven, it's you now, buddy, you're on it. Knock them dead. Let me know if you need any help. I just want everyone to know Steven's on it. You should go talk to Steven. If you have any questions about this, like that's advocacy right there. Like now, like that you've, if, if Steven crushes that thing, by the time you get to a place where you're having conversations about money and title, everyone's gonna remember those times you promoted that. Now, again, this is a tool that can be used for good and evil. I've seen it used for good and evil. Um, Again, in the same way you don't, you need a framework to uh, make sure everyone knows the good things your people are doing and that the rules are fair. You need a framework to make sure that you don't, that people aren't being treated unfairly, whether that means they're being negatively treated unfairly or positively treated unfairly. the, the, this, the framework is there to stop all of those things and you're there to advocate for the right things that you have to have a principled stance. Um, but like, again, it's those those things are really, really important. You should be telling people about the cool stuff that your reports are doing. Yes. And 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 taking opportunities as you can to escalate that as well. Like, I think it's important, for example, when you're talking to your boss, to let your boss know the cool things that your direct reports are doing. Yes. Um, and the things that you're excited about or the things you have them working on whatever. Um, and again, so those things aren't a surprise by the time you get to those conversations, like advocacy to me is, is sort of a, a constant flow. It's not just this, like, Oh, well now it's time to advocate during pay raise time. Right. You know?
1: No, I, I absolutely. And I remember talking to some of my direct reports about being their own advocates and how to, And one of my jobs as their managers to help them be that in the context of the company. Presumably, I know more about how the company operates or, again, I'm more influential or more connected or something if I'm managing them. Not always, but the majority of the time, that is true. And I remember encouraging people like, hey, you need to come up with a talk. What's something you've learned? Go Mm -hmm. give that talk. Um, I'm not going to give it for you. I'll run through it with you. I'll help you build it. I, I'll be your first test audience, whatever, right? But you're going to go in front of a group of people and you're going to give that. And afterwards, if it, it was a good talk, and I believe you can do a, a really good talk, they are going to go, whoa, this person, I didn't realize that. They're, because one of the things, one of the reasons advocacy is so important is, and this was in like a GDC talk from like 2009 or something that I saw, or 2012, by a was a senior producer at Bungie Brian something. I, I don't remember. Um, it was a really cool talk. He talked about this frame of seniority and familiarity. Like if you have a two axis thing of like seniority and familiarity, when you meet somebody, you place them on the chart, either that they are your peer or there's a hierarchical relationship. Don't worry about whether it's subordinate or authoritative, like they're, they're the authority or whatever. And then how close are they to you? And we all like place a dot whenever we meet somebody and interact with them a little bit. We're like, oh, this is how familiar I am with somebody else. And this is um, how se- more much more senior or less senior they are than me. And dissonance occurs when someone shows up and starts talking to you and you realize your dots are in different places. You know, you show up and you're like, we're peers and they're thinking they're they're actually higher hierarchically in the structure than you it's jarring for you oh i thought we were peers similarly maybe they are they come up to you and they start acting like they're your best friend this happened to me once it was very strange and i for the life of me i sometimes go back there was some person at a company i worked at they you know they were like in a training i was doing or something and they were just like yeah how's it going man and i was like who are you i don't I don't know who you are. I didn't know this person well, or so I thought, but they acted like, and then I saw them realize that I didn't know them and they thought they knew me. And I still have no idea what happened if there was like a mistaken face, but it was such a dissonance in that moment. When we meet somebody, we interact with them. We place them on that chart. We don't update the chart very much. Your manager, by advocating for you and helping you advocate for yourself, helps update the chart. So I had somebody come in, they were they moved from a discipline that was not production at all. They moved into production and I started managing them. And everybody's like, yeah, they're super junior. Everybody gets it, totally fine, they are super junior. Very rapidly, they started solving complex problems and growing and expanding their capability. They became one of the best cultural uh, production operators I've ever seen in my life. Um, and it was a very rapid growth path. And one of the challenges I faced as a manager was going to the company over and over with like the list of things that the person was doing successfully and very well and aligned with our values and making sure that they knew this person is not junior anymore, right? They are accelerating rapidly through our Mm -hmm. job family. And one of my jobs is to make sure that's being blasted out and to work with them. How are we going to get it out there? Because... And that person actually did. They went and gave a presentation on a topic. They killed it. It was so good. And afterwards, so many people like congratulated them, said they did a great job. That was really amazing. It was super insightful. And for me, it was like, oh, that's a, that's so cool because now other people know how amazing you are because I've been out in, like you said, in every conversation I have with my manager, every time I'm talking with other people, I'm like, yeah, this person's doing great. They're doing these things. They're doing, she was amazing. Like she was So phenomenal, but so many people weren't updating their chart. They weren't willing to track with how she was progressing through the organization. And so that's one of the reasons advocacy is so important. And one of your roles is to help them advocate for themselves as well as have those conversations.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I love that. And I think it's important too because people won't talk about this, but it is a reality of being a manager. Um, I think most of the time you're advocating for the elevation or reward of one of your employees, you are spending your own political capital to some degree. Yes. And I think that, again, I think there are a lot of people that might find that controversial. That has been my experience. So take that for what it is. I've never, and and the more aggressive you're being about that move, regardless of how justified it is, the more of that political capital you're spending Mm -hmm. now. You may have a lot of political capital and not notice that it might be a minor dock of your dragons pile of treasure that you have, or you may be in a situation that I find a lot more managers in where you just feel like you do not have the capital to spend and you're like, I'm taking out a loan here and I'm starting to get myself in trouble. If that's the case, the, the more you feel like you don't have the influence, the more you need to have your frameworks, the more you need to have your accountability, because then you're able to take the conversation away from you and your influence and how likable you are as a person and how much people just trust you just based on your word and go more to the evidence, more to the facts, more to the quote unquote science. Hey, this is what we value as a, a company. This person has been meeting that in these specific ways. Here's the documentation, here's the evidence, here it is. And ironically, one of the things that's going to do is raise your reputation because people are going to be able to draw the line between your very coherent framework and the accountability you've set with your people and the clear results. Other managers are going to be looking at you and being like, wow, I don't have anything nearly that robust. This yes. guy's actually pretty good at what he's doing here. And so you're, you're, you're solving two birds with one stone. Yes. Like too often I see managers that are struggling with this and feel like they don't have the clout to advocate for their people, even when they're doing well, actually take the easy road and be like, Hey man, look, I can't give you a raise right now because of insert random bullshit excuse. And the reality is, is because when I stand in front of the council of elders, I don't want to rock the boat because there are already being questions being asked about me or maybe I'm just feeling really sheepish or whatever the issue is, but like this isn't a good time for me. Like my, I've never had a manager say that directly to me, but I've definitely felt oh, that, that yeah. was present in the room where I'm like, oh, this isn't actually about me at all. You don't feel comfortable having this conversation. That is one of the most, and I will say this very directly, demoralizing things that can happen To somebody that reports to you and one of the quickest ways to get yourself into a dumpster as a manager so just be really 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 careful about that and by the way there's a certain degree of empathy i have here right because we're all human beings we all need our jobs we all want to be seen as good nobody wants to just be the person that's like going around like overly aggressively blasting the accolades of all of their people all the time like your human nature is going to draw you. I don't care how good you are at this towards not rocking the boat and you're really going to have to steadfast in your principles or stay steadfast in your principles here on this stuff because your people are depending on you to go, go and do this well. And so I, I just, I want to say, just keep in mind your level of influence as well. Um, I've been in both situations where I didn't have the influence and where I did have the influence as a manager and both, have their dangers, right? Uh, the danger on the, you have a ton of influence side can be that your word just becomes law and no one questions it because you're so highly trustworthy. And then if you're a principled person, you have to double down on, is this person really doing the things that they need to do to be senior? Or is it just like, I can wave my hand and make them senior because no one questions me anymore. You just, you got to be careful both again. It's like we talk about so often, it's a road and two ditches, right? One on each side, don't fall into either ditch. Um, I just, I, I really want my heart goes out actually to some degree for the managers and the employees who have been in a a situation where the manager did not have the clout to advocate. And like, that is not an acceptable reason not to advocate. Like if there's a sword you like, or a hill you're going to die on or a sword you're going to fall on. That's the one and, and it's not just because it's the right thing to do. It's because if you fail to die on that hill enough times and your people see that you will not sacrifice for that, your entire team's morale is going to tank so fast, so quickly that or so far, so quickly, pardon me, that you are going to lose control of things.
1: It's It's not, none of it's going to matter. Part of that integrity. Yeah, you know, I'm almost like, oh man, I, until you said this, I wasn't even thinking about it. the most fundamental piece of that is the trust, transparency, honesty. Yeah. And that comes in into this like if I can't trust my manager, and I've had some like trust breaks with people that were managing mm-hmm. me. Um it it'll throw you into a tailspin, man. That'll make you bitter and cynical faster and frustrated faster than anything else to realize that I thought somebody we've been talking, i feel like they have my back, i feel like we're in a good state, i feel like yep, things are going well, okay. This is really hard, but at least i know i'm supported and then suddenly gone.
0: We know you'll lose people over this, right? Oh gosh, yeah. There's a saying in the corporate America which is that people don't quit their jobs, they quit their managers. Yeah. It's it's a it's a truism. I don't even know how true it is anymore, but i know it's true enough to where people say that all the time. And and I know for personally for me it resonates. Mm-hmm. Like I can't think of a time I've quit a job where my manager wasn't at least partially responsible mm-hmm. for for that. So it's yeah, and it's it's really important I think for all of us to to hold ourselves to that standard again, not just because it's the right thing to do, but because it's the way to actually keep our teams healthy and strong, so we can add value and give people the best opportunity that they can get to excel.
1: I. I want to talk about a specific time a manager I had advocated for me in a very strange way, like was in the space of advocacy. Mm -hmm. And it relates actually this idea of transparency. Um, I was up for a promotion. My manager was unaware of this. There was someone who was senior in the organization who didn't, was unsure of my capability. I'll put it that way. And they brought that up. And my manager went to bat for me. You know, and that's, I think, the, the sort of the simplest version of advocacy. They went to bat for me. They had their reasons. They had their justifications for why I deserve the promotion. One of the things, though, that they did that I think made them unique and I deeply appreciated, they came back and they talked to me about it. And it wasn't, they weren't like, I need you to go and work things out with a senior leader. No, they were more savvy than that and wiser than that. Cause I asked that, I was like, should I go talk to this person who doesn't seem to trust my capability? And they're like, no, I think the thing you can best do is continue to deliver good results. Um, I wanted you to be aware of this though, because you know, this stuff is real and you should be aware of it. Mm-hmm. It's part of your reality in this company right now. And this is what I mean when I say, as a manager, you often have more insight into the organization and how it functions. You are in more of the rooms where things like this are discussed. Be careful, be very careful what you bring back to your direct reports and figure out what your frame is so that you do have a system of integrity. Because, you know, you don't go back and be like, well, this is what the senior leaders thought of everybody, right, in this case, he thought it was valuable for me to know this for my own career. Um, He wanted me informed so that I could make good decisions. It built a lot of trust that even though I knew there was a senior leader at the company that perhaps didn't trust my capability, he did. And he had my back in this. And that meant a lot to me because you can't always be popular with everybody. You're not going to be everybody's friend. The job of a leader isn't to be liked. It's to serve well, to lead well, to be respected perhaps, um, but it's to move towards the goal and it's to move other people towards the goal. Sometimes people don't like how you do that. And it means that sometimes someone senior or junior or whatever doesn't like you. You can't just pause every time somebody doesn't like you. You'll, you'll never go anywhere in any sort of large organization. So I deeply appreciated him taking that stance and sharing that with me. That was him providing insight and, and demonstrating his advocacy and I, I, like, that's, when I say insight, that's what I mean. It's those little things. It's how does this organization function? What does it mean to be successful? Because I've had people that were, like, killing it, but nobody knew. I can do so much with what I say and what I talk about. I need to also train them in how to advocate for themselves. Um, hey, this is how you might keep track of the work you're doing so that when it, things come around to, you know, time for me to advocate for you. I, I, okay, cool. How'd the last six months go? I'll have a rough idea. I'll have our expectations and what you committed to and how you did. But if you've got like, this is all the stuff I did. Here's how, all the ways in which I succeeded. I had somebody who did that. Um, it was so amazing because I was just like, oh gosh, it's so obvious now I can make such a clear case for you. Um, so help them understand that train them to know what it means. Okay, so, so one more thing on advocacy I, I want to hit on, um, and this was a, a lesson from that great manager that I had. Um, I was one of the people who, and this wasn't even true, um, I was like, oh, money's not the most important thing to me. Money's not what matters. Like, you know, I, I'll just, I just try to do a good job. I just need enough money to live and all these things. And then I would get all bent out of shape when I'd find out someone was making more money than me. <laughs> um, I, yeah, it was, it was duplicitous, and, but whatever, we're contradictory beings. I think what was actually going on is I did not know how to advocate for myself. And it was easier to pretend I didn't care about money than to learn how to be assertive with the organization, with my manager. Hmm. And I had a manager who, while also helping me in the space of money, was like, you need to learn how to do this. You need to learn how to advocate for yourself. This is, I mean, this was such an example of them valuing me you know, not more than the dollars of the organization, let's say like they, they knew that if I'm satisfied, if I'm happy, if I'm content, I'm going to do better for the organization. So like, you need to learn how to do this, but it wasn't just, Hey, you need to learn how to do this for you. They also said, Ben, someday you're going to be a manager. If you don't know how to advocate for yourself, how are you going to advocate for your people? And it, it like blew up in my mind at the time. And I was just like, oh gosh, that's so true because I'm gonna to need to stand up in front of those rooms and be like, hey, this person deserves a raise and here's why, and I will have never done that. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is I find it much easier to advocate for other people than I do for myself to this day, um, and who knows why, like personality, again, not as assertive as a, a person generally, um, but I got a lot better at it, and I also started to learn let I need to have my standards and my boundaries and the things that I need um, from, from an organization
0: I love what you just said there, by the way, um, too, because I my rearing up in that skill set is a little bit different. I think um, I used this almost kind of like uh, on a good day, this sort of like nobility kind of like performance driven, results driven complex on a bad day, a martyrdom con- complex to be like, well, I don't need to say that I'm doing. Well. My work, speaks like for my itself. work, speaks for itself. <laughs> yeah, and 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 that was my excuse to avoid what was terrifying, which was saying, "Hey, I think I should be making more money, and here's why." Um, and actually, I think that in a weird way my trap was probably a little bit easier for me to fall into than yours was. Because even when I confronted, like, it's so easy. Well, the results just speak for themselves. Like, just make it so no one can question how good you are. Then you'll get a raise, but that's not true. First off, it's not true. Um, and and what is true is that you'll be way more pissed off if you don't get the raise. <laughs> way more demoralized. Um, and, and second off, um, the, the truth that you just elevated, which I think is a beautiful one, which is like, that's not, that may work for me advocating myself that like, but that's not going to work with my people. Like, You know what I mean? Like I can't, that argument just doesn't even apply anymore once you put several layers of the organization between the results and the people that are judging raises and things like that. So it's like, that was a a rude wake up call for me as well, which was like, oh, um, you know, that's not gonna work anymore. It's just not gonna work. And so I I love that.
1: There's an implication in advocacy of, of the ability to be assertive. Yeah the ability to stand up, to take a, to take a stand, to be yeah. bold, and to your point, to um, spend political capital inside of the context of your organization. And,
0: and by the way, there are people that are more inclined to do that than others. And yeah. I think actually it's not shocking that people who struggle a lot to advocate for themselves are also probably the same managers that struggle to advocate for their team. And it's um, I think it just becomes a far more egregious gap once you have a team of people you're responsible for, because you now have an n squared destructive effect on the morale of this group of people when you fail yeah. to step up in that way. So I, I think yeah. I think it's it's got It it's okay if it scares you. It's okay if you find it threatening, and it's okay if you look in the mirror and you're like, I have no idea how to do this. What's not okay is if you sweep that under the rug and you pretend that that's not going to affect your team, and you don't put effort into trying to build that up
1: yeah Um, Yeah, and i can tell you this from my personal experience for all you people out there who may want to be managers someday but don't feel assertive and don't know how to advocate for yourself and are like oh shoot i'm not gonna be able to do that well you can learn i did this i'm i was i am not naturally that person at all um you can learn how to do this and some of the other things we talked about growth demonstrating growth systems that have integrity that are consistent that are fair that you can point to Um, accountability structures that have clear like this is what they committed to this is how they met or exceeded their expectations we we need to reward them Mm -hmm. like these things will help in the end it's still you standing up usually in front of a group of your peers or superiors and saying this is the thing that I think is right and you can do that and trust me it can be awkward it can be uncomfortable it's a lot easier than you think once you're actually in that room and you realize, you know, more, if you, if you've done a good job, you know more about your direct report than any of those other people in that room. And so you can answer the questions. You can provide evidence for why you think what you think. And we've been talking about this primarily in the space of promotion and raises. I also want to say, When it comes to firing somebody, this is also important. When someone is fired well, it's, I think it's to the benefit of both parties, the company and the individual. And I don't wanna say it should happen fast or slow or anything. As a manager, it's something you need to be aware of with somebody who's struggling. What would it mean to get to a place where you felt it was the right thing to do to fire them? Don't take that lightly. Mm -hmm. This is another place because If you are just gonna be like, well, whatever, we'll just let them skate by, you've now set that incentive, you've set that standard. Um, So just be aware of that as well. Yes, you need to be assertive because of great things you can do for the people you lead and manage. You also need to be able to be assertive for the people you lead and mentor and manage from a negative perspective. Uh, Consistency, integrity, that they will help It will help you in those moments.
0: With that, we will close down. Thank you so much for joining us again on Building Better Games, and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to Building Better Games with Aaron and Ben. If you have comments, questions, or would like to work with Ben and Aaron, shoot an email to info at valarinconsulting.com. That's info at valarinconsulting.com. Please follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Valarin Inc. We'll catch you next time.